Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and for the second consecutive week, this is not a victorious three yards per carry. I'm afraid of RIT. I got Simon Clancy's here with me. Uh, Chris Kaufman will be with me on the second half of the show. As always, this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Use promo code 5FIVE. You deposit $100. It's a one time rollover, which means you bet it through once, you get $100. So essentially, they're giving you $100 to sign up. So do it. F I V E. It's also brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. And Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons. And you get a $25 sign-up bonus. Just for signing up, you get $25. So go do so essentially, it. Essentially, if you sign up for our stuff, you're getting $125 free. Yes, pretty much. It's, wow. it's as simple as that. With, with, with the only commitment of depositing, that's it, you know? There's a global energy crisis in this country. We've got a cost of living crisis, and yet you sign up to, to three hours per car and you're getting $125 free. I mean, what a world. Yeah, yeah if you, especially if you, go to, if you go to prize picks and you deposit, well, well, but you're making me deposit $100. Yeah, but they're giving it to you back, dummy. <laughs> Take it. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. So you deposit $100. They give you $100. My math tells me that's a free $100 bet. So do it. All right, Simon. This game was infuriating, and we're gonna go in 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 order because they all they all deserve it. Okay, it's I, I did a, a very mini, a very small review of the game, which means that I watched the condensed version only the passes. I didn't care about the runs because evidently Mike McDaniel doesn't care about runs either. So, <laughs> very good. Uh. We're going to start, and we're going to go in order. We're going to start with the coach. We're going to move on to the quarterback. And what my, you probably have a different order, but in my order of blame, I start with the coach, then the quarterback, because the coach can control many things. Okay. Are you aware that they didn't run that one single five yard drag drag route the entire game? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not shocked. They ran one quick out at at the end in desperation time. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Look, um, upon. Further review, the San Francisco game plan looked much better. I understand he only ran it like once or twice in the entire game, okay? But that game plan against San Francisco was actually pretty good, and the quarterback didn't execute, okay? You can lay that one at the quarterback's feet. This seemed to be a collective effort. Like, this was a complete team effort in playing terrible offense. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill was just running around picking up balls and running 50 yards with it, (laughs) trying to win the game by himself, okay? Which tells you, I don't know, it might tell you a lot about the, the Chargers going forward, you know, that they're probably not a viable playoff team. Uh, but, yeah, let's start there. Mike McDaniel, like, what was he trying to do? What was he trying to yeah. prove? 
I mean, I don't know. I don't, you, you said about orders. I, I've got McDaniel. We'll get onto the offensive line, the receivers, targets. You know, that's a big issue for me. The quarterback and uh, the and then the defense, right? But let's start with the head coach. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I really like this guy. He's a good head coach. I think he's been excellent for the team. But I think this is indicative of what happens with new coaches. The more you put on tape, especially the sexier kind of stuff, the more opportunity there is for defensive coaches to work you out. And that is what's happening. And, and for me now, he's got to prove that he is bigger and better than some great sound bites and a quirky personality and a great sneaker connection, a collection and being mic'd up and all this shit because he's been found wanting massively the last two weeks. Okay, both games, the last two weeks, 49ers and Chargers last night, he has been outcoached on every single big decision. He's been outcoached in every single major facet of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. The team looks unprepared. They were lacking in physicality. They were out-physicaled. They were out-thought. Uh, and the inability to pivot, which I thought he did really well earlier in the season in terms of making adjustments, has been huge. You know, and <clears throat> the, the, there's the famous quote, isn't there, from Einstein, that the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, right? Mm -hmm. This is a Yale-educated master's degree historian in Mike McDaniel, but clearly you can't have heard that saying, right? Because when teams are playing cover two or cover six or two man with late movement at the snap, which is what the Chargers did pretty much exclusively last night, and we do not adjust at all, then that's on coaching. Just dropping back and throwing 18 to 20 yard in routes, throwing shot plays down the field that smacked of desperation was astonishing to me. And quite apart from the running game or the lack thereof, and you touched on it there, but the lack of screens, a lack of quick outs, a lack of drags, a lack of bubble screens, a lack of flats, a lack of digs, a lack of outs was so odd. Like, I don't understand why he didn't just change it up. It's like the fifth, the sixth, the seventh drive, midway through the third quarter, it's not working, but we're still dropping back and doing exactly the same thing. Like, I, it was astonishing to me. Wide receivers were getting hit at the line of scrimmage, yet we didn't do anything to counter it. You know, the first three weeks of the season, you had Cedric Wilson running CFL motions, i.e. sort of looping around and starting 10 yards behind the quarterback and running to the line of scrimmage just as the ball was snapped. You had Tyreek and Waddle lining up in the backfield, sometimes singularly, sometimes together. There was there was none of that. I, I, to me, it was just astonishing. And he comes out and talks to Melissa Stark about he got into coaching to get the quarterback. I mean, we need better than this. And like I said, it goes back to the top. I really like the guy. The world is not falling down. We're still eight and five. All right. But I think this has been a massive reality check because we were the 49ers game away from going and being the number one seed in the AFC. Yes. We are now the number six seed in the AFC. And if we lose next week against Buffalo on a short week and the Chargers win and the Jets win, Miami's out of the playoffs as it stands. So, you know, I, I just don't think that, and people talk about, oh, well, we're eight and three, we're eight and three, or we're eight and five. And, and, you know, each game is equal. And each game is equal. You only get one point, as it were, for, for, for winning a game, right? But some games are bigger than others, especially when it comes to December and January, okay? Because these are the games that get you into the playoffs, that get you into the dance at the end, the whole reason why we have September through November. And if we can't win those, and that's not, not just on McDaniel, but ultimately it's his game plan, his scheme, his inability to pivot and change his scheme, I thought was borderline disgraceful last night. It was just such a bad coaching job. And when you're being outcoached by Brandon Staley, fuck me, that was poor. <laughs> Mate, that yeah. was so poor. Yeah, it was yeah, it was it was it was appalling. <laughs> That's what it was. You know, it, it was completely it, it was you know, there's look, there's 
there's there's bad coaching, Brandon Staley, okay, which means uh, you can't carry on your your how how would I say it? your ethos, your your personality, okay. Now, Mike McDaniel's personality is supposed to be of a of a running game, you know, run game coordinator. That hasn't translated, but he is, you know, his his reputation is on offense, right? So if you have a top five offense, he's obviously done his job. Brandon Staley, his reputation is as a as a defensive coach, and his defenses have been absolute garbage the last two years. So, you know, it there's a difference. He got completely outcoached by Brandon Staley last night because Brandon Staley did something very simple. That and and I know I understand everybody's like, oh, they, they figured it out the last two weeks. No, they figured it out week two. The Ravens had so many breakdowns on uh on coverages because they were trying to flood the middle of the field in that game in the fourth quarter because they knew that Tua was hitting all these slants and all these digs over the middle. So it's been going on. Some teams play it better than others. I think the 49ers played it best. Uh the Chargers didn't play great last night, they just got grabby with receivers. And Waddle and Tyreek Hill. They got physical. I just thought they out physical us. Yeah. I just like there, there were two amazing stats that I saw. One was that in plays where Tua had to hold the ball more than two and a half seconds, he was one of eleven. And on plays where uh, he was playing against cover two, cover six, or two man, he was two of fourteen or something. And it was just like it, he seemed. Yeah, we'll get to Tua, but the. the I just and part of this leads on to the targets in a way, and I was going to get to targets after receivers, but actually I kind of think it's apposite now. Tyreek Hill got ten targets, all right. The rest of the offense combined, or the rest of yeah, the rest of the receivers combined got fourteen. The myopia for Hill is really bizarre, and I get he's a lead. He, him and Justin Jefferson, are the best two receivers in the league, but you can throw to Wilson, you can throw to Gesicki, you can throw to Jeff Wilson, to Mostert, to Ingold, to Smy, to Swain, to Sherfield. Having Hill and Waddle is great for two reasons, right? Because they're great players. Mm-hmm. Also, because they demand double coverage or they demand safety help over the top, which means other guys are being covered by lesser defenders, either in zone <laughs> or in man. But somehow we're not finding them. Like, My favorite was the skinny post that Tua tried to put in between four defenders. Yeah. I mean, there was the, the there was the throw on the second drive where he, you know, almost got picked off. It's that one. Yeah, it's that one. He tried to put it over our linebacker in front of a safety and pass the cornerback. Yeah. But then there was a throw on the first drive out of halftime where he had the the, the sort of the deep into Hill into like three slash four defenders, which he threw like four yards behind him. And you just think, and I can't wait to watch your 22, but there are going to be guys underneath that were wide open. Like, what is the resistance of throwing to the tight end? From the head coach, what is the resistance to it? It's clear he doesn't like Mike Gesicki, but what's yes. the resistance to throwing him the ball? I, I just don't understand it. I, it. No, they go empty. I love this play call because as soon as I saw it, I'm like, they're throwing a fade to Gesicki here, aren't they? Yeah. They they go empty. They put they flex Gesicki out out left. They put a corner on him, by the way, and Tua puts it a little bit outside shoulder. Oh, just put yeah. it up high and just let Gesicki win with it. But also like. Line your three fastest guys up on the outside in a bunch formation, uh, Tyreek, Mostert, and Waddle. And then just run somebody underneath because the three speed guys are going to clear out the underneath and just run a little drag and pick up six yards. You don't need to pick up 18 yards all the time. It feels like 
the myopia to doing that is just overpowered everything. We're going to pick up this chunk yard. It's got to be chunk yard. It's got to be. It's all right to pick up five yards. We said it last week. It's all right to pick up five yards, six yards, three yards, seven yards, four yards. That moves. You know, you pick up first downs that way. I just, you know, the fact yeah. that we were on the field, eighty-six plays against the 49ers, and the opening drive lasted fourteen seconds, and then the Chargers kept it for like nine minutes. It's just like. <laughs> You can't expect, but people are like, "We'll get onto the defense." So people complain about the defense. I thought there were, I thought there were, uh, save for uh, a couple of plays. I, I thought, thought they were magnificent. They were brilliant last night. But you know, people complain about the defense. They're on the field. Eighty-six plays last week against the 49ers. Has you know, has has Larry who runs a garage in Fort Lauderdale? Has he got any idea what it's like to play one single play in the NFL? Let alone eighty-six defensive plays, and then follow that up a week later and play seventy-nine or whatever they had to play. And by the way, and and to play, look, these two guys deserve their flowers. And to play snap eighty-six the way Christian Wilkins and Jalen Phillips played it yesterday was Wilkins ridiculous. Wilkins and Phillips were, were absolutely outstanding. But like, like. You know, the offensive line is an issue for me. Or it's not an issue for me, but it's an issue for some people. But to me, it's hard. And people say, oh, the offensive line is terrible. And, it's, you know, you can't establish anything consistently when one half of your offense, i.e. the run game, is so inconsistently cool. How do you expect players to get any momentum going in the run game, to work out what Jerry Tillery does with his hands, to work out how Khalil Mack plays the run and what his best move is and, that, and how he likes to... To, to use his hips on you can't do that unless you're actually getting getting you know consistent practice at it you're actually getting runs and then in the second half when we started to move the ball you know on the, on the play that Wilson fumbled the touchdown but then he had the play where he got hurt but he picked up uh, 14 18 yards most had a couple of 10 plus yard runs and then it's all of a sudden it's like we'll just throw for the next six six snaps or if, if they run into the to the line and it picks up a yard that's it like we'll just we won't run the ball again vision as well that the Raheem Mostert's lack of vision really worries me there are times where you could have bounced outside on, on runs there was one specific run in the third quarter and I just thought what well, your lack of vision is a real concern but I mean it's hard for the offensive line to just do anything when it's just being inconsistently called and when you see Toronto Armstead getting beaten more times in one game than he has literally been beaten all season and when Chris Rumpf is putting him on his ass then there's clearly an issue you know and we had this discussion offline just before you started recording but you know is there a decision where you you know that was the Buffalo game big? I mean, it's hard to yeah, it's hard to say to Toronto, mate, we're sitting you down because you know we want you next week for Buffalo. But you know, you got to win the game that's in front of you. But he yeah, was really his injury, his his injury uh, since it was downgraded, everybody says the same thing. It's two to three weeks, and really three to four weeks. Okay, which means he should have been back for the Packers game. Okay, he should have been out for this entire road trip. He comes back in two. And he looked, he looked it. like he really did look it like he was coming back in two. Let's, let's wrap up the, the, the coach with, with, with this. Uh, I felt, and I said so in the podcast. Okay. If, if you remember back to the Texans game, I felt that he called a disrespectful game in that first yeah, half. He, he tried, he absolutely, he won't admit it, but I, I'll, I'll bet whatever you want. If we could dig somehow into his brain, what he was thinking, he was trying to get like a 30-point lead, which he did at halftime, so he could start sitting re uh, starters yeah. in the second half. I felt that was extremely disrespectful. And I think the arrogance in play calling from that moment on has been astonishing. And it's yeah. a good thing that they're, they're coming a little bit back down to earth. And 
you know what? The bad weather that's coming on Saturday, they're going to lose. But they're going to they sh- they are required, in my opinion, to play a good game. Because if not, then we got bigger issues. Okay. But I think the weather is going to dial back some of this aggression and some of this 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 arrogant play calling. I don't know where this came from. Like, how the hell do you think that you're going to you're going to get twenty yard digs the entire game and twenty yard outs and then post routes and then call? Look, I counted. I rewatched the the the. the you know the just the broadcast quickly. Do you know that in the first half, when when uh, when Tua was three of fourteen, okay, and it's hard to say that he was three of fourteen. Do you know that he threw seven nine routes in those? Yeah. Like who who does that? Not even what, in Madden do you do that. What makes it worse, right, is that they saw what the 49ers saw last week, and they saw what the 49ers did. And if you're Brandon Staley, you would look at that and think. Ding, 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 ding. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. The 49ers are showing us. It's cover two, it's cover six, it's two man. It's late movement at the snap and it's dropped those linebackers. Instead of dropping them 10 to 12 yards, it's dropped them 16 to 18 yards. Yeah, okay? and let them run it. That's that's what pisses me off. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's all right. Uh, that's part of what pisses me off is that the defense that teams are, well, at least these last two weeks, are calling against the Dolphins allows you to get four or five yards whenever the exactly. hell you want. So why was the game plan that they installed on Tuesday not, this is what the Chargers are going to do because the 49ers have worked us out, turn around, throw everything underneath so that people, by the very nature, are now going to be scared shitless by the fact that we're just throwing the ball underneath and we're letting our playmakers pick up yards because we've got two of the best yak guys in the league and we've got a big tight end and we've got all this sort of stuff. So the, the, everybody has to step forward and then you start picking them off over the top again. And then teams don't know what to do because now they know that if we step back too deep, two will pick us up across the middle. And if we step, or if we don't step back deep enough, two will pick us up off over the middle. And if we do, if we if we do step back and take the middle away, they're going to kill us underneath. Now we're just one dimensional. We have the opportunity to show people that the, the next four opponents, the rest of the season, that this is now two dimensional passing game in terms of we can beat you over the top or we'll beat you underneath, and you get fucked whichever one you do. Right now, we just showed that we can't, we can't, we can't pivot. We can only do over the top. Yeah. Well, you know, Mike McDaniel in his—I don't know—did you hear his uh, availability after the after the game last night? I, I didn't because I would have smashed my TV. I think. Well, I'd love to be one of the. You know, I've got a lot of respect and a lot of time and some good friends in the um in the Miami Journal Court. I would love to be in that room today in Davy and asking those questions. Well, he's going to be there at, at four thirty, okay. But in his availability, and we got to move off. We got to move off uh, the the coach here. But in his availability last night, I was astonished to hear him be absolutely one hundred percent honest because he came out and he said they had a great game plan. We were out coached, and I called a bad game on offense. But he said that wow. last week. Like he, he actually said that. Like he said it like completely one hundred percent. Like where do you go over there? You go, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, coach. <laughs> Okay, and you know, how about it. not get out coached? Okay. Now you've got to go to Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. And and like I said, look, they're not winning that game. Okay. No, I don't not. care how bad Buffalo looks. They they look bad on offense. They've looked bad on offense for a while now. It's just Josh Allen with his cape on all, all game. But their defense has been good throughout. Okay. Uh they're not winning that game, but the Dolphins are required to play a good game against Buffalo. Because if they don't, then this is on the coach and this is on everybody. This is yeah. Right down the line. They're, they're required to play them very, very good. So let's say the Bills are seven-point favorites, lose by seven less than seven points. That's your mission. Shall you choose to accept it, which who knows at this point. 
You know, the season's boiling down to those last three games. Simple as that. And they got to win two. If not, they're out. But And here's a segue into what we're about to talk about. But if you get blown out again on national TV on Saturday night or your court black plays really badly, the, the questions are now going to begin to reopen about whether or not you do have the quarterback you thought you had, right? I, I think that's only fair, you know, and we'll get into it. But for me, like, you know, and I said this to you last night because I was really pissed off and I apologise for it, but it was a bad night for the receipts crowd, you know, and it's why I thought the receipt, the whole thing about people tweeting other people because they said something critical about the Dolphins was ridiculous because you can't expect a singular team or a player to play brilliantly for the rest of their career without ever making a mistake. And that will just turn on you. And Tua is not the only person to get the blame here. Okay. He's not, it's not all on him at all, but he is the one that we rely on to lift the team. Right. And for the second straight game, he played small again. And that was my concern last year. We talked about, we got into it last year. Can he lift this team when the season really matters? Can he put them on their back? Yeah. And we haven't seen that he can in big games, where, where it really matters. And like I go back to the point I said earlier, yes, you only get one point for a win as it as it was, but some games are bigger than others. And I don't mean against a New Orleans team last season with a losing record, with 20 players out with COVID, with Ian Book starting, yeah? Because somebody said that, and that's a fair point. Yeah, they beat New Orleans in December last year, but, you know, there were some pretty significant issues there. I mean, on the road, in big games, against winning teams, which determine whether or not you make the playoffs. Yeah, it's no good being in the Autumn Super Bowl and being eight and three, if you then go 0 and six and miss the playoffs. Who wants that? Yeah, eight and three is lovely, and we've had lots of fun winning games. But if you go 0 and six and miss the playoffs, what's it for? And look at the numbers. The numbers are stark, all right? Big road games in December and January for Tua versus game, versus teams with winning records. He's 0 and four. There's an 80, minus 83-point margin. The average defeat is 20.75 points. 34 non-scoring drives, averaging 8.5 per game. When he's winning, he's averaging four uh, non-scoring drives per game. Yeah, four touchdowns, six picks, just over 50% completion percentage, and a quarterback rating of 64.29, which is 12% lower than the worst quarterback in the NFL at the moment in terms of rating, which is Davis Mills. And it's almost 128. So it's only 10... Uh, it's, you double it and take 10 off, and that's his current quarterback rating. And that's how bad it is. Just over half less than his current quarterback rating, which is astonishing. I just thought last night he looked jittery in the pocket. The accuracy was better, but not great. I thought, the, like, case in point, when he threw behind Gesicki, when he was NFL open, and it was batted down by Nazir Adley. It feels mm-hmm. like the swag, I don't know what you think, but it feels like the swagger is gone. That kind of the, you know, the sort of the Hawaiian swag that everybody talked about. And they're kind of, you saw it once when he made the play and he got up and when he made the, that big run, he got up and sort of pointed for a first down. That felt like the tour of the games where we were winning a few weeks ago. But somebody made a great point to me earlier. And, and I, I think there's some truth in it. There is a lot of Sam Bradford in what two is going through currently. If things were perfect for Sam Bradford, he could be an absolute magician. But he never really proved he could win when things weren't always going for him. And I think that's a worry for Tua. You know, the, 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 and I, I was partly guilty of it, but the crowd who really deified him, you know, after beating, you know, I hate to say bottom feeders, but, you know, we had this five grand stretch where he jumped into the MVP race where we beat two five and eight teams, a one 11 and one team, a six and seven side, and a three and 10 side, right? Hmm. Now we've got to go to Buffalo on Saturday night in the snow, in the cold, in the rain. And we've got a win against Josh Allen. And we've got a win against uh, Milano. We've got a win against, you know, Hoyer. And we've got a win against Tredavious White on the road. 
Yeah, he has to prove he's more than Sam Bradford, right? And he's going to a place where historically he's really struggled. And the bottom line about last night is that if Justin Herbert was six of 24 for 90 yards with 240 left in the game, the lapse of honor by Miami fans would never have ended, right? And that's a fact. Herbert was dominant yes. and he was the difference in the game. He was. He was dominant and he was the difference in the game and he was clearly the better quarterback, right? And if you landed from Mars and were told to pick the best player, this is American football, pick the best player, you'd obviously pick Justin Herbert. He was big in the big moments, right? I'm not saying that Tua can't be that, but it's time to shit or get off the pot, right? You've brought the team this far. The team is not in this position if it wasn't for him. That's fair. But he now has to take this team on his shoulders. That's what you, you have to do that. This team needs a player to pick them up and put them on their shoulders, right? It's what the great ones have always done. Marino, Montana, Brady, Rogers, whatever. It's what the current guys do. Allen, Mahomes, Burrow. We're going to have to find out soon enough if we have one of those. But the last two weeks, I think, against good teams, the signs have been really worrying. And I think it's opening up some fissures about whether or not this is the right guy again. If he turns it around against Buffalo, has a monster game, wins the game, then I think we can say, yeah, actually, it was a pretty bad two-game run where things didn't go right. The play calling was terrible. He wasn't helped out by the play calling. Look, he wasn't helped out by the receivers last night. No, they were terrible. They were terrible. And and they're next. Yeah, there was an inability to escape press coverage from backup corners, backup safeties, losing the ball in the lights. I mean, look, I've seen that Emmanuel Acho posted, he was in the stadium, he posted a a video of the that hill play, which looked like it was a touchdown. And I I think he obviously did lose it in the lights. But the ball was, it it felt as much like a timing issue. And I, I implore people to go and find the video, but it felt like a timing issue because... Tua seems to throw the ball earlier than Hill is expecting it to, to be thrown because Tyreek, when Tyreek looks back, the ball is almost three quarters of the way there and it's a, a moon ball rather than a fired ball, obvious, for obvious reasons, as it should be. But Hill looks directly at the quarterback instead of directly up in the air. And it's very interesting to see. And it just, you know. Yeah, uh, Tua's, Tua was, was uh, leading him on that on that play and... You know, that's the opposite of aim small, miss small. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, if he's I mean, completely wide open, just put the ball on him. You want the yeah. completion above all else. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's Tua's fault at all. So people don't jump out. I'm not saying it's his fault. I just thought it was interesting from the video, and you could see the video, the way Hill's, Hill clearly doesn't look up in the air. You'd be able to notice if he's looking up in the air. He looks flat back at Tua, and the ball is all, sort of almost on him. It feels like it was a receiver miscommunication because the timing of the throw certainly didn't seem like he rushed it or whatever. It seemed like the perfect drop, the perfect throw. It was a great ball. It was on target. It's a touchdown if he sees it, but he didn't see it. You know, so uh, he certainly didn't help. He certainly wasn't helped by the receivers. Right? You know, how does how does how does Jalen Waddle have his first catch in the fourth quarter? I know he's been injured. I know Hill's playing on a bum wheel, but we just talked about it earlier on. You've still got Cedric Wilson. You've still got Mike Kosicki. You've still got Jeff Wilson, Moster, Ingold, Smythe. They brought Freddie Swain up, Trent Sherfield. I, I don't understand why we are so myopic about trying to get the ball to Hill all the time, all the time, all the time. Yeah, no, and 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 I'll and I'll say this about the the wide receivers. Uh, Cedric Wilson was the only one who fought through through jams in that entire game, and they had a couple of plays. Like, yeah, they're grabbing you incessantly on every play. A lot of those are are penalties, but this is what I understand. What I try to get across to some fans and and listeners of our of ours, yeah, that they committed about twenty defensive holding calls, but But the but the officials. But the officials 
are the ones who let you know what's a penalty and what is not early on in the game. If they're grabbing you, you got to count it. You got to counter it because now evidently that is clean for this particular game. That's the way officials work. So technically that is not defensive holding. It's defense holding maybe it. last week, but not this week. You only have to look at Kader Kohu getting hold of uh, was it Josh Palmer or Mike Williams on that third down play where he had him by the shoulder pads and it wasn't called. It happens on both ways, you know? Yes. Yeah, and and and, it and, like the and receivers just didn't know that they were going to get bumped by the linebackers, like Drew Tranquil knocking Tyreek out, you know, out of his stride. It was just like Tyreek looking around as if to say, "Wow, this this doesn't happen." I mean, I I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, know. you know, but you, you could also put wide receivers in motion and then open them up that way. Yeah, you know, but we didn't do that e- either. Uh, but yeah, b- back to the wide receivers. Uh, Waddle, yeah, since he got the injury. I, look, I'm not going to blame it all on him because the quarterback is the one who has the ball and has to throw it to him. But, you know, there's a lack of, of physicality on his part. And if you notice, he's caught a couple of balls and just dove onto the floor a lot of times. Like, he's trying a little bit of self-preservation in a lot of these games. And it's obvious because he has that injury, that chin shin injury, whatever the hell it is. But, yeah, you know, nothing was good really on that offense it, you know the offensive line i guess you could say was okay because it didn't get to a killed but yeah. that was pretty much it yeah. but yeah uh, i'm completely with you uh you know Tua was charged no. before this season with two things have a good statistical season and make the playoffs okay they're not winning this week so they have three games to end you the season to, they must the go two and one if not they're out you've got to put the team on your back at some point you've got to in games yes. that I know that Chris will argue later that you know every game is the same and there is equal value to each game, and there is, but there isn't. You've got to win. You know, like I said earlier, there's no point in going eight and three or eleven and zero in September through November if you go zero and six in in December and miss the playoffs. That that's just pointless, right? Yeah, this game, this game against the Chargers was like if if you believe in like you know weight weighing the games and having and each game having a weighted value. This was the most valuable game that they lost all year. In in, in many this one ways, and the Jets game. This one and the Jets game are the yeah. two most valuable losses of the year. Yeah. In many ways, last night's game was bigger than this Saturday's game against Buffalo because of the loss yes. of the 49ers. Yeah, you could have ended, you could have ended the Chargers season. Yeah. And we now can't we, we've now let let the door open for the Chargers to potentially beat us to the uh, a playoff spot because now they have a tiebreak over us as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no, and, and now you're playing this this dangerous game where you know you're watching other teams and the Jets still have have a ways to go. They're playing a very very good uh, Lions team this this yeah. Sunday, and you know like look that that win actually looks better now for the Dolphins against the Lions because the Lions are just good. They they have a really good offense. Yeah. Okay. The Chargers are at home to the Titans, so that's. But like I said, the bare facts of this: we lose on Saturday. The Chargers beat the Titans at home, and the Jets beat the Lions at home. Miami are out the playoffs as it stands, and that's how critical the situation is right now. And that's why I say that somebody, and it should be the quarterback, has to step up and place this team upon his shoulders and say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to carry us over the line. That that's that's what's going to happen. Got Christian Wilkins did it on defense last night. Christian Wilkins stood up and said, you know what, I'm going to carry this team. Nobody else is. Uh, and 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 that's what he did. So you know, I like we talked about. I thought the defense was outstanding. And uh, you know, yeah. Let's finish. Let's finish up with the defense there, yeah. uh, man. Uh, you know, Xavier Howard. Look, he uh, m- um, Mike Williams is really good. He's a really good player. He was a great player at Clemson. Uh, I loved him coming out. 
he's become different than what I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be, you know, a well-rounded, you know, all, all world type type of wide receiver. He's essentially a better version of Devontae Parker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's stronger, faster. He's even as injured often as often as Devontae mm-hmm. Parker. Okay. So, so he's become a better version of Devontae Parker. When you're all alone with a guy that big, that, that can win so many 50 50 balls you know you're gonna get beat okay i thought Xavier howard on the first one where the ball was a little bit behind like he completely lost track of it like i guess the lights were running were were you're causing havoc on us and it doesn't cause havoc on anybody else but he probably should have had that one for an interception i thought cater kohu was absolutely spectacular all night huge tackle in the open field to force yet another punt yeah you know i thought the defense was fine uh you know the defense played well enough look at halftime yeah they gave up that that play that that was ridiculous okay on third and long you give up a screen pass that gets down to the one then they make the decision and they get the touchdown on that that's on josh border he called that defense okay but at halftime you've given up 17 points and the mission now becomes okay they can't get much more okay because the offense is going nowhere so we got to give them a small target to reach they give up six points in the second half they give up one field goal drive and they gave and that was after they gave him another short field and they gave up the field goal drive at the end which kind of iced iced it okay so the defense played well they gave up 23 points our offense should be able to win when you give up 23 points and they didn't i thought the defense was fine save for a couple of plays uh i think duke riley made a huge difference when he came in yeah. i i thought the 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 fire boy the fire boyer crowd I thought I had a massive night in terms of what they were saying. But the plain facts were, I thought the defense kept Miami in it. Were there issues yet? You just touched upon it. Of course, there were. The third and goal call with seven defenders in the end zone was so weird. And actually, if Eckler hadn't got down to inside the one, they'd probably kick a field goal there. You know, if it gets to the three, they'd probably kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, the third and goal call, like I said, was was rough. But they made a lot of plays. They got screwed on a really bad roughing call, like a really bad roughing call. And the back end is obviously really hurting. Howard is playing on bum groins. I think Javon Holland's hit an absolute wall as a sophomore. I, I, you know, I don't recall hearing his name once beyond the player intros that NBC did. I don't recall seeing him make a play in any facet of the game, which was which is bizarre. But it feels like he's slowed down the last few weeks. And I think Josh Boy is an easy target. I also think he won't survive the off season. Uh, and I also think it's not all on him. And all of these things can be true, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are just people focus on the big plays. They focus on the big plays. They don't see the the third down stops, the three and outs, the getting them off the field, the great play by the defensive line. People blame the linebackers, yet they're there with their run fits. And, you know, I thought Baker played well, but Roberts, you know, does his run fit well. I thought Eric Rowe was excellent last night before he got injured. Um, so uh, people going, the defense is terrible. Boyer needs to be fired at halftime. It's like, lads, I don't, I don't understand what you're watching. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying Josh Boyer is Vic Fangio, but what I'm saying is that he's significantly better than what the average fan believes him to be. And that defense, again, for the second week running, kept the Dolphins in it. Yeah, yeah. I hope that we're not going to do what you know most teams do, which is okay. They make the playoffs, they lose in the wild card round, okay, and then they look around and they say, okay, uh, the defense didn't play well in the wild card round. Fire the defensive coordinator because they're going to look at the rankings. And they're going to say, okay, the offense was top five for the NFL season, and the defense was like 18th or 20th. So fire the the defensive coordinator. I hope we're not going to be one of those teams that just, you know, keep scapegoating one coach every single offseason when there's a failure. But 
Uh, I kind of agree with you. We're headed in that direction. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. then they're, they're and then you know they're they're gonna poo poo it by saying, "Oh, Mike McDaniel has to get his guy in here," you know. And yeah. and that's gonna cause enough people in some personnel. Uh, I you know I wouldn't put it. Look, if it's Fangio, if it's Fangio, there's gonna be resources moved to that to that defensive front and to the linebackers and taken away from the the defensive backfield. So no more Byron Jones, possibly no Xavier Howard. So. You know that, that changes come with a lot of those things, okay. Yeah. And and who knows if, if Fangio even wants to come back. So, yeah, they need to they need to rebuild the back end as well. You know, that's... yeah, yeah, because it's it's all injured, and some of those injuries we don't even know if they're going to be available at any time. Like I think Brandon Jones is a good bet to be ready for camp. I think yep. Nick Needham, Nick Needham, and Achilles, forget it. Uh, yep. Like that's a two. It's been proven it's a two year thing. So Nick Needham probably won't be a Miami Dolphin next year. I think one point before we get out of here, before Chris joins, um, is that um, one thing to think about on Saturday night is whether or not um, this game ends up being in Detroit again, because it feels like heavy, heavy snow is going to hit the Orchard Park area on Saturday, and I wonder whether or not the NFL makes a decision as to whether or not they move this game somewhere. You know. You want me to tell you the truth? I hope it's awful because that way we don't throw, you know, 18 and 20 yard digs all game. (laughs) Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. If the weather is awful, you will see the offense you should have seen last night. Now they move it to Detroit. Forget it. You know, it's back. You know, all the YOLO throws are back. Frustrating, frustrating game that was. That was. It was awful. It was awful. And the first time all season that I'm completely disappointed in the team. And it's worse that I got a bit at 5 a.m. pissed off as well, having to get up at 8.45. It was an absolute shitter. Sorry. Thanks for that, you fucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's it. When we come back from break, we'll have Chris Kaufman. But first, on Kaufman. these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, 
an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now we're back. And as promised, Chris Kaufman. Hello, Chris. Hey. Uh, um, me and Sam, Sam and I just had a, a really good long discussion about this game we're essentially just angry with everything that had to do with the with the offense we're pretty pleased with the defense for the most part except for a couple of play calls but i'm starting a weird place okay and then in our three ypc chat on only fans i posted a picture of the offensive line splits that the Bengals have been using for three weeks and if you see this picture uh this infuriates me because i just i don't like this Okay, you either have all your offensive linemen with three yard splits or with two yard splits or one yard splits. You don't have all of them with one yard splits and you have one guy at three yards. And that's what the Bengals are doing with Leo Collins for the last three weeks. And it's resulted in allowing only five sacks in four weeks. (laughs) So it's working. Why is this? Why? That sounds that sounds ingenious. Why is this a problem? Because it's odd and it's not uniform and everything else in the sport is kind of uniformed. But this is somehow allowed. You sound extraordinarily anal retentive right now. Can you play with four offensive linemen? What if I line up my my fifth offensive lineman on the sideline? If 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 playing with four offensive linemen somehow gets you sacked less and gets less pressure on your quarterback, then yes. I don't know. I find this odd, and it seems like there's going to be a rule eventually because nobody has ever employed this. By the way, the Bills do it, but they do it across the board. They have very wide splits. That's normal. They do have very wide splits, yes. And, okay, and so, that's so, that's, that's that, on purpose. I mean, that's that's uh, you can't – I mean, for anybody wondering, of course, since this is a Dolphins show, um, the Dolphins cannot do that. They definitely cannot do that because um, that's not the – this isn't the right quarterback for that. Um, it's it has to be it has to be a certain fit to do that the extremely wide split stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about the Bengals because of Joe Burrow, like with only with only one guy split out a little bit wider, but um, but the you know as far as the the Bills approach, they do this because Josh Allen is a is a gigantic tank, um, and so yes. you know that that's not going to happen with a Tua Tagovailoa. Um, you know, that's that's just not the right way to go about it. Yeah. All right. Let's get let's get into this. Uh we hated everything about everything. Uh in on the offensive side of the ball. We started with the play calling. And I'm gonna dig into it a little bit deeper tomorrow, but 
I watched the rebroadcast and yeah, uh, it's, it was just a, an odd, odd game plan as far as what they wanted to do. Uh, this is not the first team that plays leverage on Miami and try to, you know, take away everything to the inside. Everybody else does that. Everybody does that. I could show you 30 snaps of the Lions doing the same exact thing and Tua torching them and Waddle getting open over the middle. So, you know, it's it's not what they did. It's what we did. It's what the Dolphins did. And it started with the play calling, and I understand Tua played bad. But let's start there with you. Uh, your thoughts on on this rhythm. And I told Simon this, and he kind of agreed. And I said it on the podcast. If you remember the Texans game, I felt that that was extremely arrogant and kind of disrespectful, the way he called that game. Because it was obvious he was trying to throw 38 passes in the first half to get a big lead so he could start resting everybody. And he just carried that arrogance onward, I think, to the West Coast, in my opinion. Your thoughts on the play calling in this game? First off, I'd, I'd be really careful with trying to ascribe his uh, his motivations for that. Yes, he did clearly go all pass in the first half of the Texans game. But why? whether that was because they just thought that the Texans couldn't handle it, or whether that's because, you know, and uh, I mean, wh- whatever re- the reason was, um, I think, you know, it'd be really dangerous to f- to think like we know that. Um, but I think that this is the culmination of, you know, three three weeks and, and more than three weeks, but um, but three weeks of something that we've been noticing in the play calling and which is, you know, in the Texans game, there was a not only a lack of commitment to the run, but seemingly a lack of creativity in um, in the run in the run game. And then we got last week against the 49ers. I thought it really reached a reach, you know, a, a head. Um, and I thought that, you know, clearly with the loss now um, proving that they are not uh, impervious with to it just because to a tongue of a low is at the, at, you know, at the helm on offense. Yeah, you, know, you, you think that they'd learn their lesson, but evidently Mike McDaniel did not. And um, and so, you know, you had much of the same thing in this game uh, that we saw against the uh, the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I put, put a big, you know, uh, Twitter like, you know, thread up there. Um, and I said that this is this is starting to become a thing. And, you know, it's a it's a point of concern. And and it still is. It wasn't it wasn't addressed. And so um, so you kind of you kind of have to wonder, you know, wh- whether they're going to address it or not, you know, in, in, in the future games. And they're going to uh, they're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to find a way to run the ball. They're really just uh, tempting fate like like they can just pass it every down and it's fine. And um, that's that's reading your own newspaper clippings. Um, so, you know, I think that um, I think we'll see going forward. But I, but also, I guess the most concerning thing to me was, as you said, this is not the first team to try and take away the middle. But this is the first team whose defensive backs who were a lot of them backup defensive backs looked like they were fielding a secondary full of Patrick Petersons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I think that when Jalen Waddle went to the bathroom this morning, Asante Samuel Jr. was waiting for him. Um, you know, I, I think that, I think that Tyreek Hill has never been covered 
at least that I've seen the way he was covered in that game last night, which is really just shocking. Um, even on that big deep ball, you know, that he caught mm-hmm. ball had to be ball had to be placed really well. And, and frankly, the, the cornerback was with them all the way until they clipped heels and he fell down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, what the hell is going on? <laughs> because uh, I mean, Jalen Waddle was, as far as I'm concerned, you know, based on what I saw, Jalen Waddle was erased and embarrassed. Um, and Tyreek Hill looked coverable and small, you know, at a lot of, at a lot of points in the game. I mean, he is, he is, he is premium. He is a premium player and he made premium plays in the game. Uh, you know, it's not Tyreek Hill's fault at all that, that we'd lose this game. Um, Cause he, he still found a way, you know, even on that 57 yard fumble return, you know? Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to blame him. I'm just saying, Somebody, somebody's going to need to tell me how the backup cornerbacks of that team. I mean, when you juxtapose their their defensive approach versus all the other defenses that have played us, the um, the difference is irksome. <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's it's ridiculous, and somebody's got to have an answer for that. And um, and that's because I, you know, I think we we talked about it ad nauseum in the, in the San Francisco game. Um, San Francisco defense gets some credit for their approach, uh, making the quarterback uncomfortable in a way that I think that, uh, that some, some other teams had not successfully been able to do. Um, and you know, so they made him a little bit uncomfortable, but it was still him missing a lot of those throats, right? Like it was still, yeah. it's still the ball could have been placed on so. Some of them it couldn't have been. I think the window wasn't the way that that people think it was. But on a lot of them, it could have been. It could have still been placed, and um, and the quarterback just uh, you know just botched it. But as I'm watching this game, especially through the first half of the game, and I thought he started to settle down in the second half. But again, it was too late. It's two weeks in a row. Um, this wasn't that. This wasn't that. This was nobody open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, this was just play after play of a defensive back knocking the ball down, a wide receiver losing the ball in the lights, um, or just nobody being open, no separation, no um, no window, and you know, it just felt like just felt like it was it was that way over and over again, and uh, it's not you know it's some of these balls went exactly like the the one where two or Tyreek lost it in the lights. I mean that that went exactly where it was supposed to go. You know, and if Tyreek doesn't lose lose it in the lights, he catches it in stride, uh he tracks it down like normal. That might have even been a long touchdown itself. Um and there was a similar one with Jalen Waddle on the on the on the sideline, the right sideline later in the game. But you know, a lot of these passes, you just throw them and I'm sorry, but y'all are covered. <laughs> You know, and it's mm-hmm. like either the quarterback, and this is where two is uh, to his shortcomings come come into play. You know, he's not a guy that's going to be able to hang on to the ball and pull a Patrick Mahomes because uh, he needs to wait for everybody to uncover. Um, and if that's going to be an aspect of their game, then they need to work on that some more because they weren't really they weren't really uncovering all that well. Um, mm-hmm. 
because sometimes he did hold the ball and sometimes he did, he did, you know, scramble around and, and find some time. But, um, but, you know, he was, he was off in his decision-making. I think there was a decision-making problem, whereas that was not true in San Francisco. Um, there was a decision-making problem with the at quarterback. There was, uh, and there was just a nobody open problem among the wide receivers. And, and then a, um, a, from the play caller himself, a, uh, I would say, a predictability because it yeah. seemed like they were in, they were in Miami's playbook. Um, so there's a predictability problem. There's a lack of commitment to the run problem. And then there are some individual play calling problems. And so, you know, just all the way around terrible, terrible recipe. And yeah, uh, I, this is how you get a road loss. Yeah. And the availability last night by uh, Mike McDaniel, I thought was, I've never heard a coach actually say that. I've heard it before, but it's, you know, it's been rare that you hear a coach actually say it. But did you hear what he said? He said, Brandon Staley had a better game plan than we did, and we were out coached, and I called a bad game. Well, then don't. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, hey, everybody, everybody can have a bad game, especially a rookie coach. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that I think that it's it's big of him to admit that. Because it was what everybody could see just off the broadcast, you know. Never mind the all twenty-two. Mm. Um, if he said any different, it would it would come off uh, disingenuous. Yeah, and I think that I think that he was he was a hundred percent right. So um, you know, yeah, this is this is it's extremely disappointing because um, this next stretch of games is not going to be as easy as some people thought. You know. Well, Saturday um, Saturday should be a loss. I told I told uh, I told Simon that that yeah, Saturday is a loss, but there are expectations. Play a good game, like you're seven and a half point underdogs, playing within a score. You know, you know, be in the game. You know, but you know you yeah. can't get killed. You get killed. You know, you're just you know, it's it's turning into a disappointing season. But it's obvious it's come down to that last stretch, and they got to go two and one. No matter what. Well, but but here's what I'm saying about the last stretch. You know, you get you get Aaron Rodgers get on one on Christmas Day. Um, you get the Jets, who are a tough team to play, and we just, we all just have to admit it. Um, and you get a New England team in New England where there could be some, could be some elements that Miami and Miami had heaters on the sideline for 50 degree weather. I mean, that's you know, is, is ridiculous. Um. Those three, everybody's like, oh, well, those are the three games we should win. Well, <laughs> really? You know, and, and that's, that's, that was the point when I, uh, when I said that this game, I don't really usually believe in must-win games. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game, doing what they were expected to do, seemed like a must because they needed to get back on track quickly in time for this, this you know, quick turnaround with the Buffalo Bills, in time for games against – Green Bay, uh, New York, and New England that are going to be much harder than people. You know, this is supposed to be a game that Miami won, right? And this was supposed, it was unanimously picked for Miami to win. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we got to rethink that Green Bay game. Now we got to rethink that New York game. Now we got to rethink that New England game. I mean, I, I it was important that Miami get back on track, and they did not. It doesn't mean they won't. You know, they could still but it was it's really concerning that they got in the bright lights prime time huge game very hyped 
and they fell completely flat. Yeah, it was and that. That's that's just that's just every year being a Dolphins fan in a nutshell. Yeah, they did not. Um, you know, it was. It wasn't even that they that they didn't breathe in the game or or you know it, it looked like they never really adjusted just rolled out doing the same thing it looked stale it looked boring mm-hmm. you know it looked uh, unimaginative it, it like they were mailing in the performance and then all of a sudden wait a minute we're in this thing but guess what they trust me when I tell you the Chargers were trying to charge her <laughs> okay yeah they were they were even right up to the end yes even right up to the end with the 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 botch, you know, uh, what's his name? Justin Herbert gets under yeah. center and he botches the snap. I mean, that snap hit him right in the hands. Yeah. And if we recover that thing, it's a one score game and a perfect amount of time for us to go down and get that touchdown with a quarterback who is genuinely good in the fourth quarter for his career. Um, you know, they were trying to charge her <laughs> and, and they were trying to do it on that onside kick. That, that onside kick I almost had a stroke. Because I could have swore that Cater Cole grabbed the ball. But I guess yeah. some dude I never heard of who came out with it with, from the pile. But when, when I saw, you know, because when you line up for an onside kick nowadays, it's like it's like, like a total waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were trying. They were trying. And it's just a testament to, you know, I mean, the, the Dolphins were. I don't know. They were they were inept in this game. I mean, defensively, yeah, you're right. There's 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 some there's some kudos to be given there. Um, you know, even though Frank, you know, Frank, twenty three twenty three points is not necessarily a stellar defensive outing, but um, but and and Justin Herbert did make them look bad ultimately. Um, well, I wouldn't say that he made them look like what they are, frankly, because I don't think I don't think they're a good defense. I think we should stop pretending. Um, but I, but yeah, I, I think that uh, you know you can't really necessarily blame it on the defense, of course, but just all the way around. It was, maybe special teams was working. I mean, it seemed like special teams was working out pretty Sanders well. Sanders had a fifty-five yarder. That was nice. Yeah, and, and also um, you know some some big plays uh, in coverage. I mean, there's that gigantic hit that uh elijah campbell um lay laid out you know on the uh the return man toward the beginning of the game um so maybe special teams was going i guess that maybe that counts i don't know um they've been awful all year though so i you know Although i will say this i'll stick up for the defense a little bit more uh Kristen wilkins and jalen phillips are superstars in the making uh Kristen wilkins already is right but I thought the defensive performance w- w- was fine. They're on they're on the field for like how many? 190 snaps or something this time. Well, you know, part of being on the field for for that long though is um is allowing, you know, allowing 50% conversion on third downs. Yeah. Uh and and allowing and then getting penalties that you know that I'm not counting no, I'm not counting the Jalen Phillips penalty. Um because that was as ridiculous a penalty as you'll see all year. But I mean, they did get some other penalties that helped them. I mean, you got to get yourself off the field sometimes too, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they weren't they weren't necessarily getting themselves off the field as consistently, you know, consistently enough to prevent a you know forty minutes of uh, of possession time by the uh, by the the Chargers. Um, so you know, yes, that definitely offense terrible. You know, we're not 
I wouldn't dispute that at all. Um, I don't think the defensive performance was quite what some some are making of it. Um, and yes, there were individual hero performances, including by both Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins, as you suggest. Um, but you got to have more than that. You know, you got to have you got to have plays in the secondary. Xavier Howard, if he's going to be Xavier Howard, he can't just be abused by Mike Williams. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was. You know, he should be embarrassed about that. He had as bad a game as anybody on offense. Um, yeah, he didn't I locate think... that ball on that first on that first what well, was essentially a fade. He didn't locate it, and then the second time that, that was embarrassing. You know that they put this on tape. They run they run this shot play all the time. Like they run it maybe 14, 15 times a year and hit it about four times. So you know that they're liable to do that. There's no reason why Justin Herbert is bailing from the pocket and they're moving the guard with him. It's because mm-hmm. they're setting him up for a shot play, especially if your guy is running into, you know, you're just going to let him go. No, he can reach that. Like they do this, like that's their play. And, you know, Xavier Howard just. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking on that play. And maybe he was thinking, okay, it's not coming here. They're just getting us out of the play. But, you know, it, it, yeah, he, he was not good uh, at all. In, in well, we game. need to have a serious discussion about what he is this year and the fact that he's, uh, that he's, that he's about, you know, pretty close to 30 years old. And this is a position where corners uh, drop off quickly at 30 years old around that, or 29 years old, frankly. Um, and, you know, we, I mean, that's that's a serious discussion uh, because this is this is the worst year that he's ever had in the NFL. I mean, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's uh, you know saying anything controversial. Um, and you know he he had, he had a couple of good games coming out of the bye week, but <clears throat> you know I I think I think the thing about I mean this is this is about this is about when Patrick Sertan if you go back to him twenty nine years old this is about when he fell off. You know, um, when he when he went to Kansas City, uh, he he did all right for maybe a, another year, but um, but this is when he um, when he he fell off. I mean, you go back, I think you know, even like Samari Roll and, and guys like that. I mean, they, this is a this is a thing, this um, the age thing, uh, and so I think you know we got to have some conversations or some honest honest talk about that because it's not just Byron Jones at this point. Um, yeah, I love Xavier Howard. I love what he's done as a pro, but but this is like I said last night, he was as bad as anybody on offense. So yeah. um and he's he's supposed to be one of the stars of the team. So again, I don't want to just spend all my time blaming the def- the defense because it's clear the offense was held, holding up worse than the defense. But um there was a there was a team aspect of this loss. Uh, that I don't want. I don't. I mean, if we're if we're just going to overlook it again, then we're not. We're 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 going to not see it coming when the defense gets completely blown out of the water by somebody. You know what I mean? Like this is what I said about the San Francisco game with Tua, Tua and and the offense. If if I sat there, if I sat there after the San Francisco game and just said, "This was all just Tua. Tua sucked. That's it. That's it. Then it's just it's just a bad game for Tua. You know, um, he needs to do better, and that and that's it." You know, and I didn't, we didn't look any deeper about you know what San Francisco did to um, to make him uncomfortable. What the Chargers 
took from that, <laughs> you know, um, if I didn't, if we didn't look at any of that, or if, if we didn't look at the play calling and how concerning that was about Mike McDaniel's lack of commitment to the run, um, and you know, some some I guess stubbornness, uh, I I would have to call it. If we didn't look at any of that and we just stopped the the tape and said, you know, this is just bad game by Tua. Anything else you say is just, you know, you're just being a Tua apologist and stuff like that. Then we wouldn't have seen the possibility of this game coming, the Chargers game, because there was a hell of a lot more going on in this game on offense than just, you know, ah, Tua sucks. He's throwing bad balls. You know. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a bad sign when your last complaint on offense is the offensive line. And yeah, by the right. way, Teron Armstead played with one arm. Uh, that was not yeah. Teron Armstead. That was a uh, that was a guy wearing his uniform. <laughs> right, and um. I mean, the best thing he did all game was uh, was was accidentally or on purpose bat that ball out of out of the pile into uh, Tyreek Hill's hands. Um, play, play of the day. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you're right. I mean, and he was injured. Tyreek Hill was injured. Tyreek wouldn't played like a hero though. You know, if you really think about it. I mean, yeah, he was covered more better than I've seen him in forever. But he was also on like one ankle, and. Um, and so, you know, and he gutted it out. And so, the thing is, he gutted it out and still made the big plays to try and influence this game. That's that's mm-hmm. why he was a hero. Um, you know, yeah, he was covered on a snap for snap basis better better than I've seen in a while, or if ever. But he still made the big plays to try and uh, to try and influence the game, um, and nobody else did. You know. When you get right down to it, nobody else on that offense did. Yeah, and, and so you know, and, you yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you what you're gonna do is lose. <laughs> yeah, all right, exactly. <laughs> That's what you're gonna do. Um, and yet, even and it's it is it is pretty uh, pretty amazing that even even after all that, you know, there's a there's a botch snap in the, in the red zone, and and the Dolphins, you know, are one recovery away from trying to drive, you know, in four down territory, trying to drive for the winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, but they didn't they get that opportunity. Because they started to get, they started to get the offense back on track in the second half. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, it's still crazy that they could have still won the game. They had no business being that close. Um, yeah. So, but uh, you know, there's, again, you, you said the chargers were charging. Uh, well, yeah, they were. <laughs> they'll have opportunities to charge her once again uh i don't worry i don't worry about that uh it was also odd that the first play of the game was that shot play to tyree kill balls on the target on target it's clear pass interference no and uh, th- these guys did not want to call a pass interference last night yeah yeah i mean there was and th- this was they were playing a very physical game um in in coverage and that's what i think you know is going to be mapped over to other games you know, in terms of rerouting play and players and stuff like that, and and they're gonna have, you know, was, the refs were not being. Sometimes they're very touchy about that, you know, and um and we'll start to call the defensive holding all over the place, and uh, you know, we're not even talking necessarily about pass interference. Um, they weren't last night, but that's football. You know, you can't you can't complain about that. Yeah, you like have I, to, I was telling. Yeah, like I was. Yeah, like I was telling Simon, like you start the game and then you realize that, and then you just give it back, you know, you know, twofold. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And we actually did. Uh, we held on a third down that we got off the field on well, with Cater Kohu. Uh, you know, I, it was just, you know, it was, it, yeah, it was, I mean, you're right. He, you know, he did. He held. You know, you just got to give it back and then you got a game plan around it. Uh, you know, where were, where were drag plays? Where, where were, you know, where were the, the, the slant patterns? You know, where was a, an executed, you know, screen pass, wide receiver mm-hmm. screen, uh, an end around? There's ways you can call offense that completely negates leverage or a coverage, you know? Like, you can be playing against the greatest secondary of all time, and you can still call plays that have nothing to do with how they're lining up or how they're deciding to play your wide receivers. And Mm -hmm. I just felt that, you know, the play calling was awful, and, you know, the quarterback's execution, I I didn't think he was inaccurate, by the way. He was kind of – No, he wasn't. He was That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, and and – Simon, God bless him. Like he's coming out, he's like, you know, three for seventeen, trying to defend that. I'm like, it's not, it's not about defend. Like, are, are are you pointing out three for seventeen because your your point, your point is that he was inaccurate, and that's why he's only completing, and that's why fourteen balls went went incomplete. Because if that's your point, it's just it's just that the, the point is less accurate than Tua was, <laughs> you know, um, because. The, that the accuracy wasn't the issue. It wasn't the issue. Decision making was an issue, and decision making is the thing that crops up the most in his career. Um, but the accuracy wasn't the issue. It was nobody's open, and and he's and he's not making good enough decisions to overcome that. You know, and he's not he's not making you know he's not making plays. You got to be a playmaker at some point, right? Yeah. And and you know he wasn't doing that. And if you want to be a great quarterback, you, you got to be a playmaker at some point. You can't just – everything can't just be – which I'm not I'm not trying to say that he wasn't a playmaker in the in some of the other games, the, the good games that he played, because he absolutely was. But um, but I think that, you know, at some point you've got to – at some point you've got to do something that overcomes. And, uh, and he didn't. So that's – you know, that's on him. And so is some of the decision-making that I saw. But um, – but if your point is like, oh, you know, he, he completed 10 of 28 because he threw 18 bad balls. I'm sorry. You're just incorrect. <laughs> yeah. He didn't throw 18 bad balls. Like, that's no. a fact. Like, some of them some some of them were actually – there was one bad ball in particular that I, that I think that even he would want back, which was the the little Bowen to, uh, to Mike Gusecki, who still can't run a Bowen. <laughs> which yeah. is which is saying you know come on man you're a tight end man how long have you been playing tight end how can't you ru-? he runs it like a square in and i know it's not a square in because there's no time to have a tight end run a 15 yard square in so it has to be yeah, a right. bow you know can you run a bow correctly please mm-hmm. he can't and and that's going to be one of the reasons he's going to be out of here and by the way i watched dalton schultz play against the texans he is painfully slow so he's not like mike Gusecki. <laughs> But he is precise in his in his route running, and he catches absolutely everything, everywhere. Yeah, okay, and he's a positional blocker. He's all right. Uh, they're not going to pay him. No, he's a, he's a decent blocker. Yeah, he's a good blocker. We should play him. We should pay him. They're not. We should. Like he's. Well, I mean, yeah. He'll be an immediate upgrade because it's 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 now painfully obvious because and you can even see it even off the broadcast. I want to see the all twenty two, and I want to watch every single pass play again. And in great detail to see the coverages and to see what the hell we were calling for the most part. Because Mike McDaniel, it's a vendetta at this point. You just don't like him. Okay, then don't play him, you know, or play him in another way. 
But you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous. You're gonna have Mike Kosecki run clear out routes all the time, and then you you're gonna feature him on a route on a on a nine route when you go empty. Like get the mm-hmm. hell out of here! Like what the hell are you calling? Like what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing well, out here? <laughs> so that's a fair question. I I think that um, we hate the tight end. Looking. We hate the tight end, so we're gonna line them up in empty, and we're gonna send them on a nine route, and we're gonna throw the nine route on their safety with with uh, Mike Kosecki, who we hate. He was, he was, by the way, 19 of his 20 snaps were pass plays, too. So, I mean, like, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, talk about being, talk about being one dimensional, but, uh, and, and, and I don't even think that's fair because I think they run the ball well on out of 11 personnel, uh, when he's the single tight end because, you know, there's different ways. There's different ways to use a guy in order to create pass and to create running lanes. You know, there's, it's not, it's not all just like, like he's got to be a third tackle and block Nick Bosa, you know? Um, so, but I didn't see any of that last night. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so where do we fix it from here? Because uh, I, I think, you know, first of all, all of this is correctable. Your quarterback is a good quarterback. Tuatunga Valoa is not a bad, he's not a 10 for 28 quarterback. Okay. No, no, of course not. You know, he's also not a, a 28 for 34, 320 yards, four touchdowns quarterback either, although he's done that a lot this year. You know, he's somewhere in the middle. He's a good quarterback. He's, you know, top 10-ish, maybe top 5-ish. He's a good quarterback. So evidently he has to fix some things. But I would suggest one, and then I, I could get your your suggestion. One thing they got they to fix these releases. Jalen, what the hell is Jalen Waddle doing? Why is he dancing at the at – the, you run 4-3. Stop dancing at the line. You don't have to shake uh-huh. anybody. That's not Mike Haynes in front of you. That's not Deion Sanders. Just beat him off the line. Right. And if he reroutes you, you you reroute yourself with your speed into, into the route, just like you did a million times before against Detroit, against Chicago. There's plenty of evidence, uh, especially against, against Cleveland. Against Cleveland, there's a master class on one play where he's completely rerouted, practically interfered with, and he still manages to grab the inside on a cut where he completely loses his man, his man creates about two yard separation and the ball hits him right in the chest for 15 yards. Okay. So you're capable. If you're injured, tell the coach you're injured. Don't play. All right. What's your fix for this very short week before we go uh, to Siberia on Saturday? This is the, I mean, this is going to sound like the, this is going to sound like the couch fan, you know, but run the fucking ball. That's my fix because a lot of if you if you really look at a lot of what they did earlier this year that was so great in the passing game, uh, there was a lot of sucking up the linebackers in, involved in that, you know. And we've now gone so far with the lack of commitment to the run on tape, and they see it. These teams see it that they're starting to tell their linebackers, no, 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 you play the run second. It's one thing if you're not putting eight men in the box, right? Mm. You know, it's one thing if you're not putting eight men in the box, or you know, if you are putting eight men in the box, then you're then you're you're um you're right at, then you're you're opening it up for the pass. It's another thing if you're not even telling the linebackers to play the run. You know, mm. I don't care what your box looks like. Um, I don't. I, if you're playing seven men, seven men in the box. But the linebackers aren't even playing the run. The run. You really got to be able to take advantage of that. 
And and they're, I mean, it has gone to an extreme. It has gotten that extreme. The San Francisco 49ers told their linebackers and, and underneath players, get your depth, worry about the run later. And that is, it is just ridiculous at this point that two teams are doing that in a row and the Miami Dolphins are still just going to throw right into the teeth of it and, and never run the ball. Absolutely ludicrous, you know? And, and so, yes, start running the ball, start hitting them with the, with the run game in an effective way. And it will loosen up. It will loosen things back up, you know? And so, I mean, the Dolphins are, and I, I don't envy the position because it's not easy for them to run the ball because they still haven't fixed the offensive line. They still got a lot of issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't admire, you know, I don't uh, envy them that task with what they've got. Um, but also this issue with the, the passing game. I mean, what's being taken away is the stuff that they want, which is quick that they can get off quick. And so then they've got to hold hold the ball for for that something else to develop, and uh, and that offensive line isn't up for that task either. You know, especially Teron Armstead playing with one arm or not playing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, it's not that I'm not saying their job is easy because I can see where the the um, you know pull on this and this comes as loose and comes loose and you know and, st- and so on and so forth. I can see where that is, but they have to do it. That's the task. They have to do that. If you want to get this fixed, then then do that. Mm. F- figure that out first, because it has gotten to an extreme. Yeah, it's it's gotten a little bit out of control. Uh, the arrogance and play calling, like I said, yeah, it's 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 gotten them to two losses. Really, uh, they could have dialed it back in both games, and probably had better results. You know. Yeah, I mean they 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 they're looking for a little bit deeper action, and then they then they should be. But it also, I mean, it's reflective in the mentality that that also goes into just never running, just not really running the ball, not caring about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's it, I I don't believe that you have to effectively run the ball to run play action. That's not I I know that there's been plenty of of work on that. To show that you know, run the ball effectively during the game. To the get Chargers play. are a perfect example. Uh, their run, their running game is putting Herbert under center. That's the running game. Yeah, that's just, that's, and, that's all it is. And and I think I think that you know the studies generally will show that you don't have to like they look for the play action pass effectiveness, you know, in the same game versus the running game in that same game. I think where it it matters is they have to have some respect for it on tape when they go into the game planning week. Um, Because otherwise, if they don't, then this is what you get. You get the guys telling the defenders back up, stay on your, you know, stay on your stay, stay where you are or get to your landmarks first and then come downhill for the, for the run. You know, if that's what that's what they actually do, like play the run second. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that that is a lack that is a lack of respect during the game planning week. Now, forget the game itself. It's not like you know Raheem Mostert breaks off a 15 yard run and then 
and then somebody else breaks off a 10-yard run, and then all of a sudden they're going to abandon that game plan. You know, no, that's not it. It's it's about the, the game planning week. And right now the Dolphins are stuck in a place where um, nobody nobody is going to respect their run. Absolutely nobody. And um, and they'd better f- figure out what to do in response to that. So, and we'll it. talk about Bills Dolphins on Thursday. That's it. There is no more. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.